This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. What happened to the LA Kings against Colorado? Colorado's good. <laughs> They're the real deal. Man. Five Kill. points for McKinnon. Yeah. Did you? I don't know if you guys listened to the audio I sent Josh Manson uh, on the bench. He's saying to his teammates, he's like, you know, when you get five or six in Anaheim, the whole crowd gets Chick fil A. He goes, these fans here in Colorado <laughs> be eating a lot of chicken. <laughs> It is, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Eh? Sometimes you're like, man, what are they talking about? They're talking about plays. They're talking, yeah. no, they're talking about chicken. Ch- <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Talking about chicken, Chick-fil-A's. Quality sandwich. All right, let's bring in Bob Stoffer, who's in Nashville, doing a terrific job covering uh, the Oilers, host of Oilers Now. Hey, Bob, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm in Nashville. It's the day after. That's all you need to know. We had a, a flight uh, come down. We do a, we've do. we done 19 trips through my show letters now over the last 11 years. And uh, this was the largest trip. And I think we had 75 people show up to our meet and greet, which started at 515. And I think at one time or another, I had a drink with all 75 people. So, <laughs> so for today, to be frank with you guys. So I, 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 I'll talk I won't talk loud then, right? Oh, it's hey! What did John Tortorella say, Nick? Justin, sometimes you got to play hurt. So <laughs> it's, you know, and, and I, what's happened is, and I'm sure many can relate to this, is because of the pandemic. Maybe what we once did a little bit more often, we did far fewer. I know you guys had uh, the restrictions when we were in Montreal and Toronto were uh, quite disappointing for me, uh, especially given the fact that you know I'm privileged enough to travel to the NHL team and. The state, for the most part, the United States have been fairly open all season long. So, but I had not uh, gotten after it like that for a while. And, you know, it, it kind of is like riding a bike, though. I got to tell you, it took me back to my Halcyon days of yore when, uh, you know, it was not uncommon to have, you know, one, two, 18, 24, 37 drinks in a night and try to find a way to get your way through it. So, <laughs> we had a great time. It was awesome um, seeing people again and just getting a little bit back to regular. You know what I mean? Getting a chance to do events like that. And, uh, the only thing I'm concerned about is the Oilers might be playing the toughest team in the league. And it's not really built and equipped uh, to, you know, and you guys can both appreciate this. I mean, Nashville leads the NHL in fighting majors with 55. The Oilers have the least fighting majors in the NHL with seven. And Minnesota, I think, gave a pretty clear indication how you play the Oilers. You pressure them, you get after them, you force them, and you arrive in ill humor. And uh, Edmonton's had challenges at times dealing with teams like that this season. Well, certainly happy to have you, uh, even if you're not quite a hundred percent, to kind of help us straighten out this uh, this Western Conference. Of course, in the East, we've figured it out since November. Uh, but uh, you know, just in terms of the Oilers and 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 the turnaround. And if I asked you who has had a bigger impact on the Oilers, would it be Evander Kane or Jay Woodcroft? I think Evander has, and just so you know, I am at 100%, and it's, it's just that I'm on fumes because when you're here, you're <laughs> yes. so that, yeah. that's, no, I no, just, no, I, no. I, I just did two hours on the air myself, and I'm about to do another three and a half. Well, so we appreciate your time. Uh, oh, no, no. I, I'm, uh, here's Evander Kane has brought Edmonton something that they lacked. Uh, it's funny. When they had Lucic and Maroon and uh, Cassian and Darnell Nurse at that time, I mean, Darnell was not their top-pairing defenseman. 
And so they had that physical impetus, but they got a little slow. And so Ken Holland's reputation is that he intimidates through speed and skill and power plays. And Dave Tippett did a, and Jim Playfair did an excellent job on special teams. Uh, the first year they came in, the Oilers were first in the league in the power play, second in the PK. And then last year in the Canadian division, but overall, Edmonton was again first in the league in the power play, ninth in PK. Their penalty killing went sideways. Uh, Miko Koskinen had a horrendous stretch. Your listeners are smart enough to know even Vesnik, and I'm not calling Koskinen a Vesnik caliber goal, even great goalies have six or seven crappy games in a row. And so the Oilers went through this miserable 2 11 and 2 you know, string that basically undermined the long-term uh, tenure of Dave Tippett. So for me, the combination of Jay Woodcroft, who knew a lot of the players from the minors, but also Coach Connor and Leon and Darnell, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins on Todd McClellan's staff before, that combination with Dave Manson, I think it was just, you know, it's not a dead cat bounce like Berkey would say. You know, this is, you know, he's, Jay's got a 700 winning percentage. Like this is this has gone on now for 30 games. So he's done a pretty good job. They're way better five on five. They're not as reliant on special teams. They're still susceptible to you know specific type, just like there's fans in Toronto worried about whether or not the Leafs can you know are, are going to be battle tested and wary in the playoffs. I think Toronto's been a little bit unlucky with who some of the matchups have been because they play in a tougher division, uh, with the exception of last year. Let's just write that all up together. But the three years prior when they didn't come out of the first round. But I do think that uh, the bigger impact has been the coaching change. I, I really, 30 games in, the numbers would suggest that's the case. Um, I don't know. I, I, you get the sense that uh, that Ken Holland had, it was really hard for him to pull the trigger and, and fire tip it. Um, he, that rumor had been there for a while and push came to shove and ultimately he didn't have any other choice. But was it a foregone conclusion Jay Woodcroft would be the guy to take over? I mean, was he bro- groomed that way? Is he, is he, is he Sheldon Keefe, where everybody knew after Babcock, we knew where it was heading, and this is the future here? Because Jay Woodcroft and I think Dave Manson have have they're, they've got their contracts expiring uh, at the end of the year. I mean, there there is a possibility they don't sign in Edmonton; they go coach somewhere else. I mean, w- where do you see this thing playing out? Nick, there was a possibility um, in January that Dave Manson was going to get hired by, trying to think if you played with this guy, but by somebody who was going to circle back as a uh, NHL head coach in a Western Canadian or Western market, not a Western Canadian market. And ultimately that change did not get made. And Manson was on the radar screen for, for that coach to go in and take over a team. So um, I think they're both, I think it's a slap. I think it's a slam dunk that Woodcroft and Manson will be extended. I absolutely was it a foregone conclusion? No, because if you take a look at the history of Bob Nicholson and Ken Holland, they like experience. Yes, and I know everybody in Toronto's you know uh, really down on Mike Babcock. Um, I've known Mike all the way back from when he coached the Lethbridge Farmhorns in 1994. Uh, he's a good coach. He's a confident man. If you push back out of him, you, you tend to have better conversations sometimes. Uh, but, I mean, he's sitting at the University of Saskatchewan. It's not like he's golfing every day down in Phoenix. Like, this is a guy that still loves the game enough to coach that he's coaching a youth sports team for nothing. So, you know, I, I'm i glad Jay got the opportunity. I believe in organic growth for players, and I extend that metaphor for coaches as well. 
but I think there may have been some. And the other guys, Glenn, Glenn Gultz, who's on the Oilers staff, right? Like he's had two NHL head coaching opportunities, maybe one in Dallas when he wasn't quite ready by his own admission. And then I think in Calgary, he was going to make the playoffs two years in a row. And then they went like 2-11-2 and two in their final 15 uh, the year he got relieved by Brad Trailing. So I don't think it was 100% slam dunk it was going to be Jay, but I'm glad Jay's gotten that chance. I think he's done a great job. Stoff, we've been handicapping the uh, Western Conference playoff race. The three seed in the uh, Pacific is up for grabs in the wild card spots. What are your thoughts on the three teams scrapping it out there, Dallas, L.A., and Vegas? Um, and, you know, I guess I'll leave it, just leave it there because I guess it's unclear who Edmonton would face yet. So, Justin, you're giving Edmonton the, the second spot in the Pacific? I think so. I, I, think, I, I, think I am. Are you not as comfortable okay. as me? <laughs> uh, well, maybe I got spoiled all those years. I did the Alberta Golden Bears at a bad year was when we lost three games. But uh, <laughs> I digress. The, the, the reality of the situation is that, uh, uh, you know, I, Edmonton's two, what are they, two points up in the Kings right now, a couple games in hand. Uh, L.A.'s got a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, but Edmonton does have the extra games. I I, I don't think both, if it, put it this way, I think five teams from the Central are going to make it in three from the Pacific. Uh, the Central's a much stronger, uh, you know, much. It, it's almost crazy, you guys, when you think of how good those L.A. or the Cali teams were. You know, San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. I mean, it was like the Oilers were the proverbial 90-pound weakling at the beach. They used to just get, they weren't physical enough to take those teams. All three of those teams at big centers. You know, Thornton was in San Jose, and Kopitar, I guess he's still in L.A., and Gutzlaff was in Anaheim, and it was just a terrible matchup. And this year, the Oilers went undefeated against the uh, Cali teams on the road. They went 5-0. and wow. So, um, I, think LA, I think L.A. could get caught but they do have the easier schedule and, and it something's missing with Vegas a bit. Like it's just, but I still respect Kelly McCrimmon and I, they've got some really good players that, that like, I, I don't think Edmonton's, I, I know that like 538's got Edmonton a 95% chance to make the playoffs. And I think the athletics got them about 94, 95% chance as well. I, I don't, I know what, I know they run those simulation models and I trust analytics to a certain degree but i'm still from the show me state to see the end result but i would think three pacific five central will be the end result for a west Mm -hmm. everybody seems to be saying if uh you know vegas is healthy in the playoffs they are they they almost have a build-up as scary as colorado's no no not for for you (laughs) goaltending where where Goaltending, for one, with like Miko Koskinen's gone to Vegas twice this year, completely outplayed Robin. They, they still had Fleury all day, all day. I'd agree with you, Nick. But now Darcy Kemper uh, played for Red Deer in the WHL. He's from Saskatoon. He's historically struggled under the spotlight, but if you take a look at what they've done with him this year, every big game he started, and he is having an awesome season. Like this guy is. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the game Saturday night, but he stopped 11 shots in overtime against the Oilers. Like, that's about as well as Edmonton can play. Like, Edmonton's only scored seven goals in the last four games. They're a little bit snake, but their right side guys are... Pugliarvi's got one in 13. Yamamoto hasn't scored in nine. Cassian hasn't scored in 23. And Derek Ryan is a converted center. He hasn't scored in 18 games. Like, they're getting no juice out of the right side. But they played about as well as they could have, and Kemper was terrific. Colorado's added some toughness. They got Manson. Uh, you know, they picked up uh, McDermott, who I think right now might be the you know the, the scariest fighter in the league. You know, he's just he can string guys out and he's 
pretty good technically. He's not Borbiatsky technically, but he's a pretty good fighter. So I think they've got they've sort of gone the way of Tampa, where they realize we got skill, needed to add a little bit more muscle, a little bit more beef, and they've done that. I I got Colorado on a completely different level than everybody else in the West. What did you make of the Evander Kane Ryan Hartman saga? So Justin, like I'm, oh, I grew sorry, up. No, I was know, just, I, and I hey. Yeah, sorry, uh, no, not to interrupt, no. but like you know, for someone that I've I've been in many of those scenarios, and of course we we know the narrative on Evander Kane throughout the league that nobody likes him, nobody, no teammates will back him up, and Ryan Hartman's comments were uh, not too many teammates defending him or helping him out. I mean, that's not the way I saw it. No, right. So, I, just in terms of how how did that play out it, with the with the teammates that comment? Oh, I I well, I don't know how like you know I guess the only guy we've talked to since is Connor. Uh, we didn't talk about that with him today. I will tell you that I brought it like the moment it happened on the ice with Ryan McLeod. I like Ryan McLeod. He's going to be a good player. He can skate. I just you know, but there's an old saying, Nick. Right? If they don't if they don't bite when they're pups, they don't bite when they're dogs. You know what I'm saying? And I hey, you guys, you know. Justin, you played minor pro. Nick, you willed yourself to an NHL career. Like, you were a goal scorer in the old that fought to play in the NHL. I lack the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to play <laughs> in the 12 team Western League, let alone the NHL. But I, I did grow up playing against Todd Ewan and John Cordick and Mark Tenorti. And there were rules. And it didn't, like, we used to lose to Ewan's team every game, 8 or 9 2. But we did not, you know, we didn't let one of our teammates ever get outmanned. And I, w- I, I will tell you that when I see the Oilers have four 22 to 23 year old players, six foot four Pulley Arvey, six foot three Evan Bouchard, six foot two Ryan McLeod, five foot eight Kyler Yamamoto, and the guy that's got the most bite is Yamamoto. And I hope that there's a learning experience from that. I, McLeod, I, I, I like Ryan. He, I would have liked to have seen him. And I, he pro- I don't know if he's ever fought in the OHL, right? Like, that's just a byproduct of the difference in the game today. Like, you know, 35 years ago in the Western Hockey League, 16 out of 18 skaters fought. Today in the Western Hockey League, two out of yeah. 18 skaters fight. Yeah. That's that's the – and they basically, right, they've managed it out of the league. David Branch, you know, he had – I remember just my kid I grew up with, Rocky Dundas, he had a cup of coffee with the Canadians. Um, or the Leafs, rather, but he was a – I think there's a Picatron where he played Montreal, whatever the case. Yeah. His son, Justice, was a fighter in the OHL. Really limited player. But he fought like 25 or 30 times. You can't even do that anymore. It's just a different time. But I, I don't think you can have your teammates get out mad. And I don't, I, but then I thought about it. When's the last time we hadn't had a melee all season? Like with, we, The owners haven't had something like that the entire year. So there's a learning experience, and I know it was addressed internally. Um, and I, you know a little surprised by Hartman's comments, to be frank with you, is the Evander Kane, uh, he can play. Not everyone loves him. That's fine. You can think what you want about him. Can't ever question his courage. The guy's fought Ryan Reeves, and he's fought Zidane Chara. Oh, he's not uh, a scary so, guy. That's for sure. Like He, he can handle himself if, yeah. if he yeah. has to go down yeah. that path. And that's I what I liked, saw. I, I saw like more of a response. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. You, you're right. Ultimately, uh, you don't want to have those scenarios, and it should be more uh, natural to go in there. If they've got two guys in there, you put three guys in there. They got three guys, you put four. That's just the way it, it yeah. should work naturally. But I think there was a, a few guys saying, "I I want to watch that. Let him go. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just let Kane do his thing. Just Why am I go. going in? He's tough. 
Hey, Stoff, we got to let you go, but I really appreciate your time, man. Get back into the trainer's room and uh, get some, uh, you know, some therapy. Electrolytes. <laughs> my current weight, the injury, the injury is sprained fat, fellas. So we'll take care. All right. Bob Stoffer, everybody. Hey, Host of Oilers Now. Interesting. That's great. That must be fun to go down to Nashville and have a meetup. And that sounds like a fun town, man. Never been. No. Sounds yeah, like you've, a good time. you've noted that like I think seven or eight times <laughs> since we started the show. There's a there's a great there's a great sort of weekend to be had there. Go for a Saturday if the Leafs ever played there on a Saturday. Go for a Sunday. Go see the Tennessee Titans. You know, big sports town. Maybe go see some college. Be a good. It'd be fun. Maybe go to on the on the strip. Maybe go see some country music. I'd do it. So we. We, we said earlier in the show we're going to talk about uh, the athletic story by Katie Strang, Ian Mendez, and, and Dan Robson uh, talking about uh, Eugene Melnick, particularly mm-hmm. his uh, 19 years, well-documented, including uh, incidences there that, uh, quite frankly, are, are really ugly. Um, just in terms of now, um, after you guys read it, uh, what was said, just, Justin, let's start with your thoughts overall on, on, on their article, what was written, and perhaps maybe even, you know, questioning uh, certain things about it. Sure. Um, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't question any of the reporting uh, by, by any stretch. I, you know, I think what I read a lot of was a profile of a man who... Um, you know, had some issues. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he, the guy drank a lot. He was un, unhealthy. And I think it's at times you see people who make a lot of money young and then things start to go poorly. Don't always uh, handle it well. Sounds like his personal relationships were poor. Reading it, though, the thing that stood out to me most was um, the comments around the, the gay campaign, um, you know, for Pride Night and the, the love is love and the way that was dealt with. That's the one thing that really stood out as egregious. You know, the rest of it is just general tyrannical behavior, I feel like. Yeah, bullying. Bullying, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're going through it and going, well, you know, here's this felony he committed or something, like, that's not in there, but it doesn't change the fact that it paints a picture of a man who was, it wasn't good to people, by and large, and was difficult and abused his power and, you know, made people feel uncomfortable and unwelcome and not good. The question I have for you guys is about about the timing of the piece. Well, and that's what everybody's really talking about. And, and is and it too early for thing, that? Yeah. Are you? What do you guys think? I don't think it's too when, early. When you when you start reading uh, and and you know we're thinking that the mo- most of it's been well documented and, and there's truth in it, mm-hmm. then I'm sorry, but. Uh, death doesn't exclude change the facts change the facts and this was they had started reporting on this prior to melnick's passing and had intended on writing this prior to uh the passing it sounds like it, you know they were trying to get through people were uncomfortable to talk yeah. about it before yeah and they, they were more willing to to share well and after. my understanding is that this piece has been and worked on for a very long time. Like more than a year. More than a year. Yeah. Correct. So a lot of questions uh, internally out of, out of the Ottawa senators is, 
on a on a few things, but the the one is okay. Like, what took you so long? Um, did you did you need him to die first before this was ever going to come out? Like, would this article have come out if he was still alive? I think the the answer is yes to that. See, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure about that because think- I think for on a on a dime, Eugene Melnick would have slapped lawsuits mm-hmm. and he, that that would have been hanging over everyone's head. There's who's going to do that now? Is the estate going to do that? Right. Is it is his daughter's going to now turn around and 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 file those lawsuits that you knew were going to come if Eugene Melnick was still alive? And the that's a good point. That's a really good point. And also, you know, everything in that article, if you read how they qualify a lot of the things that are said is documented, you know, particularly the the most I would say damaging stuff about um, you know, the homophobic comments that he made. You know, it's they said it's corroborated by several people. We saw the notes that followed up the phone calls, like everything to me, was reported in a way that said if this were to be, if someone were to sue us, we, we can back this up. But that wouldn't have stopped Melnick necessarily, to your point. Yes. He still would have sued and they would have yeah. had to go through the whole. So maybe it's easier now to, to come out with it. You know, I did see some people say, where was the local reporters on a lot of this? Because I think it's fair to say that when you hear things behind the scenes about certain people in, in, in sports and in life and whatever your job is, you know, you heard some of this without it being reported. Well, why wasn't it reported before? I think, you know, to, to use the example of the homophobic comments, how do you report that? You know, it just, you burn your bridge with the team, the ability to cover them, they cut you out. You know, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this stuff when someone's still alive and in bite size. They're in a tough spot, I think. Yeah, but they kicked out an NBA uh, owner, you know, for... Right. for for stuff like that. Yeah. And, and you know, there's like, a varying degrees of severity, if, maybe. If you're Gary Bettman's office, if you're on uh, one of the board of governors and you're reading what you read today, uh, w- what do you do now if you're you're in the head office of uh, the National Hockey League. Is this something that you need to explore? Why? Uh, Why? Melnick's not... Well... Everything's about Melnick. It's not the organization. I don't know. Do you have to at least investigate it yourself to say, okay, how did this get to where it's gotten? Is it just Eugene alone? Are there other people that feel the same way or who supported Eugene throughout this? Like, is there not responsibilities for people under that roof to say... These conditions go against everything that we are about in the National Hockey League. How long did this go on? Who was not, who had a a, a responsibility to, uh, you know, stop it? This is the whole thing with people who have absolute authority. And it sounds like he got rid of basically everyone who had any authority is that he creates an environment. They create an environment, I should say, where people can't do that where they're not able to speak up and stand up for themselves. It, it, you know, I don't know how long Eugene has, is, was it a month since he's passed? About, it's, it does feel soon, but when's it okay? Is five weeks okay? Six weeks? Mm. They got to wait three months? I like, don't... here are the facts. I know it's a tough time and, you know, the, the wounds of his loss for people who cared about him are still fresh. 
But again, there's a lot of people that he hurt and made their lives difficult. And yeah. if, you know, maybe this goes a ways to helping them. It sounds like vendors are starting to get paid again. Yeah. Just Which, healthy. Yeah. Like, you know, that's got to be refreshing for, for people associated with the organization that people provide a service and they actually get paid full value for it. Can I just say that on a personal note, the thing that stood out to me is I hadn't heard, and usually you hear bits of behind the scenes, I hadn't heard anything about their Stanley Cup final game five loss that Melnick went in the room and gave a speech, possibly well inebriated, saying, you know, to the team, he's pretending to make stick saves and their goaltending's bad and telling Anaheim to turn the music down. And, you know, like I hadn't heard any of that. And that's... That's tough, boy. That's a tough look. Uh, that, yeah. that story to me yeah. stood out as like, ugh, it made me wince a little bit. The one thing I did hear uh, through some sources uh, is that uh, the one thing that uh, they're not happy with with the athletic was that uh, that Eugene uh, was not given the opportunity at all to during it to, uh, to respond or defend any of this over what they think was 16 months. So I... I do. I did think initially when I read the homophobic comments, which to me changes legacy in a in a significant way. You know, I and I did look for them to say that yeah, there was you know other people corroborated this and there was notes and whatever. But that that was the one thing to me where you know you would have liked to give him the opportunity, and I understand that now they can't. But you would have liked to have heard him say that didn't happen. You know, here's why these guys, you know, I don't know what their relationships were or why they want to take me down or whatever. You know, because that to me is someone says something on a phone call. How do you? And it's that damaging. You better be right. And it sounds like they are. I'm not skeptical of that. I'm just saying it's a tough spot. That was the one thing that stood out to me is like, oh, better be right about that one. And as we spoke earlier, uh, it, it seems like uh, his daughters, uh, the estate, they, they want to keep it. I don't know uh, for how long or forever it remains to be seen. But, you know, whatever's gone on under that roof has not deteriorated the interest in possibly getting involved or potentially owning this team if it goes up for sale. I had heard as many as half a dozen. Mm-hmm. Tremendously interested in buying the team. The number I had heard from some, I think, pretty reputable people is, get ready for this one, $900 million. Yeah. Here's, wow. Here, here's my that thoughts on, on, you know, the girls wanting to keep, the, keep it in the family. I think there is a chance to quickly juice the value of the franchise. Like, quickly. Like, if all of a sudden you have the Ottawa Senators and you get that deal with LeBreton Flats, yes. the, the franchise is instantly worth far more money because you can say, we have a place to go, we, you know? Like you haven't even mentioned the, the gambling aspect right. of owning a professional sports team. And if you are uh, one of a handful of billionaires who want your crack into the, this, this great... Uh, membership, mm-hmm. like how many, how often are teams for sale? NFL, right. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. It doesn't. It's it's rare. And if you if you do now get in, you 
are going to probably overpay a little bit, but now you've got a, this gambling aspect and, and what naming rights could do or, yeah. or relationships. And, and we're under the building right now uh, where Rogers has announced for the Blue Jays uh, uh, relationships that are going to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars. That is taking pro sports to another level. Where does that factor in? In, in the sale of the Ottawa Senators, if you, potentially. If you turn around and sell the Senators today, it sounds like they have debt, you know, to a variety of people. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. So there's debts out there that they owe. The team stinks and has stunk. They, you know, they're in Canada there where it's not a desirable location. And all of, I'm saying the value of the franchise today yes. versus what it can be worth in two years yeah. I find those girls. I'm like, I'm going to stick around for a couple years here. They they didn't they didn't become billionaires by giving it away here. So if someone's going to put uh, a 900 million U.S. tag on the Ottawa Senators, and that's, you're going to get in there with for, forensic, you're you're yeah, and you're going to go through every last penny yeah of where you come to the conclusion of of 900 million dollars. I guess if you're them, you're saying. That nine hundred million might be what it's going to be worth when I know when you buy this team for me. Here's what you're going to do, yeah. and I know what it's going to be worth. That that to me is a more justifiable number than you say what it's worth today. Obviously, it's not yeah. nine hundred, but it's easy to see how it can be. That the gambling part of it is an interesting point. That yeah. just seems that there's just all these sponsorship opportunities from all these different gambling companies. That if you're putting your team, like it's, you said, the Jays, like that's a huge thing for for somebody looking to buy a team. Yeah, Man, you're pretty smart. Never thought of that, Kipper. Well, God, you just put that building somewhere else too. Like right now, their season ticket base is four thousand, just over four thousand. Yeah. It was thirteen thousand in uh, two thousand seven. Yeah. The only question is, is you know, is is that team cash poor because Eugene Melnick treated it like it was cash poor, mm-hmm. right? You can have a, a beautiful home, uh, but if you're having difficulty paying the property tax. You know, you still don't technically own the house <laughs> unless, you know, they'll take it away from you. Yeah. You don't pay your property tax. Yeah, I live in a so bank, all, bank-owned all, home. All, all of that has to get <laughs> cleared up. And and ultimately, um, you know, again, where where's the where's Gary Bettman and his 31 owners on this? So uh, an interesting story that uh, got a lot more interesting after uh, this article came out on, on the uh, in The Athletic. Yeah, I, I thought that the the comments that the senators made in the article, they basically they accused the article of being um, opportunistic in a negative way. Um, the timing is poor. I thought that that yeah. was all fair. I am curious to see if the organization themselves wants to say something greater about this. Yeah. It does, to me, though, seem like something that with you, Melnick's yeah. passing will pass. Well, and that's... You know, my earlier conversation is uh, if you're the National Hockey League, you know, it's one thing if if Eugene Melnick's daughters uh, do not want to publicly say anything or the organization as a whole, they let that slide. But does the National Hockey League do the same? Do we just kind of just say, okay, hot story today, tomorrow forgotten, let's move on? I think that's the, the right answer myself, but I don't work for the league. So the league also uh, punished. Uh, are you good to move on? There? Yeah, we're good. I think we exhausted that as best we can. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I, I, 
I didn't know my mic was on. Okay. And I was like kind of clear. Do you have I, I was kind of clear in my throat. And then I was, sorry, boys. Um, so the league, the one thing they did do is they find Ryan Hartman, 4,200 and change. Okay. Or- so what's the, the, the backstory here that uh, somebody, okay, first of all is you can't go around flipping everybody the bird, right? We're, we're under the impression that that yeah. is, we don't want that. <laughs> Sam can. Sam, Sam with no Sam cam is giving us birds left, right, and center right yeah. now. Okay. It's, it's goofy, but we cannot have that. Right. It's like, it's a finger. It's a finger, but okay. we understand the connotation. Right. Can't do it. So somebody locally decided, you know, tell, tell me how this works. There's a, He's he's got a, a GoFundMe. A, Someone started a GoFundMe to. Was it just or, a GoFundMe, or was it a Vimco or whatever that? Venmo. Venmo? <laughs> no, it was a GoFundMe. Oh, it was a GoFundMe, yeah, right? To pay Ryan Hartman's fine okay. because all these people yes. enjoyed seeing Evander Kane get flipped off. Yes. So there's a screenshot from Kane's ex-wife who donated two hundred dollars to the cause. Okay, think about the irony in that. That Evander Kane's <laughs> money. Oh. Went towards <laughs> paying Hartman's, Hartman's fine, <laughs> right? That's my money. <laughs> like Evander Kane has to go get two hundred bucks back. He's gonna. Hey Ryan, listen. I mean, just can I have my money back, please? So, oh boy. So, I think this stuff is so stupid. When people like Ryan Hartman makes one point seven million dollars. I know year. people are throwing him money. What are you doing? It's so stupid. So Hartman, knowing that, said, I can pay my own fines. Yeah, he no, donated thanks. the money to sick Good. kids. Oh, did he, do, did he yeah, donate it? Yeah, he donated Good. all the money. He actually said... Well, if he you said do- he did. <laughs> he donated it to his pocket. <laughs> he said, if you donate, uh, whatever you donate to me before 7 o'clock tonight, I think he was was giving to the children's hospital. Oh, that's good. Which, yeah. Attaboy, Hartsy. Got the flip off of Vander Kane. Got to help the right. kids. I, Who's the loser God, here? flipping off somebody Zero on the people. ice. That must feel great. It's not a remove of done, but you know, just a solid bird. Nothing feels better. <laughs> I really liked the whole thing. I really did. Me too. I liked, get it varying... from, I liked it from both sides. Yeah, because your point Oilers, was that Kane went to help Yamamoto. Oilers, it was team-centric. You know, yeah, I mean, Stoffer's right. I mean, you probably would have, like, in a perfect world, but it's Evander Kane. He can handle himself. He, he can take care of himself. Right? He was a it's, giant So it's them. great from an Oilers point of view. It's a great from a Minnesota point of view. And when's their next game? It's, I don't know. It's, watch not, it it's nuts that they have less fighting majors than the Leafs. Gun to my head, if you asked me who has the least fighting majors in the league, I would have said the Leafs. But I guess Simmons has been in a couple. Well, Sim- do you know how many less they have than the Leafs? How many? A one. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Leafs have eight, yeah, the Oilers okay. have seven. There we go. By the way, second most fights in the NHL, 35, uh, Minnesota Wild, Nashville, 55. Love 20 it. more fights than the next fightiest team. Love that. Fighty, good work. I, I actually really... I still think about that Nashville game on a Saturday night against the Leafs. I like them. They just like they're just heavy. They I love that Janelle. I, I like they're that. Just team. the type of team people love that are going to get eliminated. Yeah, right they're going to be done in the first round. <laughs> but I just like how I just like how they they run around. I There's no know. teams that run around anymore. I'm telling you, this extra ten games that's gonna, it's going to throw teams off. There's going to be upsets. Yeah, you think? I, yes. I, I, I'm a little. I'm wavering on the Flames, and I haven't. This is my first time uh, verbalizing. That, yes, verbalizing that. I, you know, Sutter leans on those guys, right? And it, I think it can be a lot, and like never a moment that thumb is just down all the time on them. And I think mm. you know. I don't know. I don't get that sense. I, I don't know if they can score enough. 
I know they're sixth in the NHL in goals or something like that, yeah. but they, to me, the, your elite game breakers score your goals in the big moments, right? It's Crosby. It's whatever. I, I think is Elias Lindholm that? I, I think their, Kachuk, their big line Kachuk. comes in as, uh, with as much confidence and feel that it's, it's going to be different this time, like Matthews and Marner. Kachuk, okay. Okay. Goudreau, Johnny They're Hockey. They're going to get Nashville. And I, I, I really believe that, uh, you know, there is a different feel for these guys going into game one now. All Cowboy matchup, no, Flame, Flames, Nashville. Who knows? They, they, can, get, they can get shut down, but I, I, I think it's yeah. highly unlikely. Well, everyone has been saying the Flames are built for playoffs. They're built for playoffs. They're built for playoffs. Maybe they are. Nashville certainly is going to make them, you know, it's going to negate some of their physical edge. Their defensive edge. It's going to be a great matchup. Minnesota St. Louis. How that's going, that's the only lock in the West. That's going to be a knockdown drag out series. I mean, the Oilers get Vegas. Got the, one thing on the Oilers, yeah. their schedule over the next four games is not easy. And Ostoff kind of talked about that a little bit. But they've got let me just pull this up real quick here. They've got Colorado and uh, I can't pull it up. Anyway, they have very tough next four games. Nashville being one of them. They, right. they need to get a couple wins. We're closing this thing out here. Uh, you got best bets. Uh, Austin to score 60 tonight. Is there, is there any bet on that? I'm looking at a number right here. What do you uh, got? Austin Matthews with two or more goals is five to one. And Austin Matthews, three or more goals is uh, 22 yeah. to one. You think, you think Ovi's... I, I honestly think it's worth a bet every night. Like put a put a couple bucks on it every night. You're gonna yeah. win one of these nights. Vegas is he plus every- one thirty against the Flames tonight. Underdogs plus one thirty. That's where my money. Oh, he doesn't want him scoring sixty. Oh, tonight. is he gonna be down below the dots to Federnum? He's gonna be floating at the top of them. No, he's just gonna tell everybody. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's all. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Great show today. Our thanks to Keith Jones, Bob Stoffer, Carl Alsner. Good job, guys. Good show, team. Sammy, you got a score for us tonight. 4-3 Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews with an empty netter to get 60. Ooh. Hyper specific. And he's gone. See, he's gone. I meant 5-3. Wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Keep the rating and reviews on uh, on our podcasts. And, uh, hey, we're back at it tomorrow. Real Kipper and Born. Thanks for joining us, everybody.